we welcome into the program from CBSSports.com, Shahan Jayaraja. Shahan, good morning. How are you? We appreciate your time this morning. Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. All right. We're going to talk football in a minute because that is the, that is the reason we, uh, we asked you to do this. But just got to get your thoughts, first of all, on your alma mater last night. What a gut check win for, for the Bears in Stillwater. You know, it's crazy. Uh, over the last month or so since LJ Cryer's been out, you know, it's really felt like Baylor hasn't been an awesome basketball team, obviously dealing with so many injuries, losing everyday John, losing Adam Flagler for a lot of the last month, too. And they just keep finding ways to win. I, I mean, it's really impressive, in my opinion. And, and you know, to, to see a team that, again, still isn't healthy as yet, still, you know, you, you have James Akinjo still dealing with injuries, still having Adam Flagler just coming back from injury. I mean, I think it has to make you really optimistic about what this team can be long-term. You know, we're starting to see some of these younger guys grow up, like Jeremy Sohan, Kendall Brown. And, and I think that down the road, while obviously it's been a little bit of a struggle at times throughout the last month, I really think that this is going to benefit them heading into March, uh, just having the, that kind of depth, having the ability to really pull anybody off the bench. So a uh, very impressive win, in my opinion. I mean, the thing with the Big 12 this year is that when you win on the road in this conference, it's a quartile one win. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Uh, and they were able to do that last night. And now they'll they'll get a chance to rest a little bit before welcoming Kansas into, into, uh, into Waco. Uh, on Saturday night and you know we were talking uh, in our last segment that again there's a lot of basketball still to be played here over the last few weeks but this could go a long way in determining the conference championship this Baylor Kansas matchup Baylor right now sitting on the three line in does a win or on the two line rather does a win a conference championship in your opinion put them back on the one line and does it matter if they're a one or a two in your opinion I don't think it matters that much. Uh, I think that the gap between the one seeds and the two seeds this year aren't that great. I, I mean, I think that there are certain teams maybe that you'd want to avoid maybe as a one seed heading into the tournament. But, I mean, the reality is, right, if you're a one seed or if you're a two seed, you have a great chance of making the Elite Eight. And, and in my opinion, that's kind of the goal. I, I think that you really want to try to position yourself as a team in the Elite Eight and kind of go from there. You know, making a Final Four is something that's just kind of happened. A lot of one and two seeds don't make the Final Four. So I think that as long as you're a two seed, I think you're, you're still in a great position. And, again, this is going to be very fluid. There are going to be a lot of teams that – have difficult conference championships uh, up ahead. I think that certainly winning the Big 12 would be a huge step towards earning a one seed, but I don't think it's especially necessary. And just because uh, the league has been so difficult, I don't know whether that's necessarily going to be enough to get a one seed. College football playoff not expanding until at least 2026. How disappointing is that for everybody other than the ACC? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a strange decision because we've been going at this conversation for months at this point. And, you know, talking to Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, he's expressed a lot of optimism that he he thought that it was just going to happen. I I mean, the reason that they announced it is because they kind of thought that it was only going to need to be rubber stamped. But, you know, this is something that I don't think that we talk about enough, which is, you know, personalities in the room really does play a factor in how these things happen. I mean, these are out of these five major college or major conference rather commissioners, three of them are new. Three of them are brand new. You know, it's just Bob Bowlesby and Greg Sankey who are uh, kind of the old guard still in that room. And they're the ones who immediately agreed. So 
I don't think it's a coincidence that you have all these new faces and all these new personalities and, and people who maybe don't know each other very well as yet, and we're not having these kinds of things figured out. Uh, you know, you mentioned the ACC. That seems to be the major party who is holding things up. Uh, you know, they brought up issues of player safety just with the number of games, which I think is an issue that can be resolved relatively easily. Um, but, you know, with this alliance structure, there's been a lot of pushback from them uh, to try to push it past 2025. Now, I do think that the one reason that they really, really emphasize wanting to push it until the next contract is so that they can ensure that they can take this college football playoff to market uh, so that uh, so that it's not just ESPN bidding on the product so that every network can get involved potentially. But it still is, I think, an inhibitor for the sport. And I think certainly if you look at the Big 12, I mean, I think the Big 12 is one of the big losers of them not expanding at this time. Because if you have a couple years of being guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff, I think that it really makes it easier to kind of think about the Big 12 as a power conference setting forward. Now, I think that the Big 12 is going to be fine. I think that they're going to have a couple of years to be able to prove that anyway. But I, I think that having that assurance of being consistently one of the top six conferences would have been nice regardless. Shayhan, I know for me, I, I feel like every year there's only like two or three teams that legitimately have a chance of winning a national championship. And so I don't necessarily think that college football playoff expansion is going to help anything with that. Um, but with NIL, does that does that create more parity? Am I wrong? What are your thoughts on the college football playoff expansion as far as in the amount of teams who legitimately have an opportunity? Sure. Well, let's take a year like this year, right? I mean, there were two, three teams that legitimately had a chance to win the national championship. I don't think it's usually going to be more than that. I mean, we haven't really had a year since 2014 where there's been 100% more than four teams who quote-unquote could have won a national championship. But I think that, that kind of misses the point, you know, because, for example, right, we don't go into the NFL playoffs and think, you know, we should only put two teams because they're the two best teams in the, in the NFL, right? We, we don't do that with the NBA. I think that the big thing that we have to think about from a college football playoff perspective is that it's an entertainment product. And, you know, when you have only four teams, when you have such a consolidation, not just of the teams that are going to have a chance to play for a national championship or, or the, the number of teams who will win a national championship, but the consolidation of the number of teams that could conceivably play for a national championship, I think that really hurts the sport because it means that, you know, you have this focus on this year-end product, but then 120 teams in the country will never have an opportunity to be a part of that product. I think that hurts the, the the product a lot. I think it hurts college football a lot. I think, you know, the, the great thing about college football is how top to bottom this sport is. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that UTEP is going to make the college football playoff. I'm not saying that, you know, Hawaii is going to make the college football playoff. But I think that when you open the door to something like 12 teams, it really does open the sport in a big way. It does mean that if you're in the Sun Belt, you can make the college football playoff. It does mean if you're Baylor, if you're TCU, if you're one of these you know, if you're a mid-tier Big 12 team, if you're a lower-tier ACC team, there's a chance that you can at least make this big dance. And, and yes, you won't win a national championship more likely than not, but I think that you just look at what Cincinnati was able to, to do this year in terms of entering the conversation. I think that that matters a whole lot. So really, at the end of the day, to me, it's not that I think that the, the people who win national championships are going to be different. It's more that, you know, if we're going to have this central sort of system you know that we're all aiming towards at the end of the year i think more people need to be involved for the health of college football visiting with uh, shayhan J. raja from cbssports.com shayhan does it change recruiting if we had 12 teams and kids that 
find playing for a championship is important. Does it maybe open up and change where these kids go and maybe create a more competitive balance in time? Oh, I mean, I, I think that you just need to look back at the class of 2020 to, to answer that question because there were three quarterbacks from Southern California, all within 100 miles of USC, uh, C.J. Stroud, D.J. Uyengalele, and Bryce Young, all superstar quarterback recruits. And all three of them said, I did not want to consider USC or any of the schools in the Pac-12 or California because I don't think I can win a national championship there. And so they went to Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. So I think that if you have a team that will be able to compete for the college football playoff closer to home, I think it becomes a lot more attractive. You know, we've been talking about this sort of existential issue of, of players leaving the state of Texas, for example. Uh, you know, Quinn Ewers gave a quote last year that said that he went to Ohio State instead of Texas because he wanted to compete for championships. And I think that the, the situation where you have, you know, a Baylor, a TCU, where you have a USC, where you have an Oregon, where you have a, a Stanford, who are teams that are able to compete to make the college football playoff, I think it absolutely changes the game. Because, you know, every kid wants to be drafted into the NFL, and there's no better way to be drafted into the NFL than to play in big-time games that people are watching. I mean, I think that one guy who really benefited from this a lot last year was Ahmad Gardner, the cornerback from Cincinnati. He really became the talk of college football in a lot of ways because he kind of proved that he was one of the best cornerbacks, if not the best cornerback in the entire nation, and now he's going to be a top 15 draft pick. So I think that it definitely changes the way that uh, that recruiting is done. What If you feel like you don't need to be part of one of four teams to make the college football playoff. And I think that, uh, that again, long-term, that's better for the sport. And I think also for the kids, it's better. Because, you know, you, I think that it's better to be a big-time player. It's better to be a star and have the opportunity to, to really stand out on a team uh, and have good film than it is potentially to just be kind of another guy on a team that, uh, that's going to compete for the national championship. Doesn't the NIL make that gap wider, though? I think it's it's too early to say because the reality is too, right? I mean, they're going to be guys like we talked about Bryce Young last year. Bryce Young signed NIL deals that cleared seven figures. Well, the reality is for everybody else, it's not necessarily that amount of money. I mean, it's a significant amount of money, but it's not necessarily that much money. And so, you know, I'll take, for example, that that Texas campaign that they have going on right now to basically funnel money to their offensive linemen. I mean, the reality is, you know, $50,000 is a lot of money. I'm not, you know, disparaging that at all, but it's less than if they were to become an NFL draft pick, right? It's less than if they were to become a first rounder. It's less than if they were able to stick in the league for 10 years and be prepared for that. And so I think that there's definitely some short-term gain from that. But long-term, if, if these Texas linemen don't get developed, if they don't get put into the NFL, if they don't get drafted, if they don't stick, I, I mean, that's way more money that they're costing themselves by going to Texas than whatever payment that they might have gotten to be able to go there. So I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag. And, I mean, the other thing, too, right, is that Texas took five, six, something like that linemen in this class. I mean, not all of them are going to stick around. Not all of them are going to start at Texas, and a bunch of them are going to end up transferring for better opportunities. So I think that it'll be a little bit of a short-term hit as, you know, as, as schools try to funnel money like that. But, I mean, I don't think that this is necessarily different than what's existed in all of college football. And, and historically, we haven't had this issue. And I think that actually the transfer portal in some ways then opens up the game for these players to have more opportunities and for uh, some of the programs that maybe can't compete on the NIL front 
to still have opportunities to get some of these players. Do you think this is really the, the best opportunity or what everybody's been waiting for over the past decade or so for programs like Texas, USC, Miami, who we know were great at one point in time but have fell off? Is this the way to kind of revive those and get them progr- those programs off of life support? I mean, I think that there's a lot more that needs to happen than, than NIL. I, I mean, the reality is, right, that Texas had back-to-back top three recruiting classes under Tom Herman, and this class wasn't top three, you know? So, I mean, so Tom Herman had that level of recruiting. That hasn't been the issue. It's been performance. It's been development. It's been cohesion. And I think that that's still, you know, we kind of have to still wait and see on that front for a school like Texas or like Miami. Now, USC, I mean, USC has a proven coach in Lincoln Riley. He has proven recruiting. And, and I think that he has much more of a vision for the program. But, you know, I think that for these other programs that maybe have been waiting a while, even the Florida State to the world, for example, I mean, I think it's, it's still you're dealing with some of the same issues. Again, recruiting has not been the primary issue at most of these places. It's really been a kind of cohesion top to bottom. It's been putting together a good staff. It's been having a vision for the program. It's been, you know, just doing innovative things on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And so that's going to define more, I think, whether Texas can come back or whether Miami can come back than anything that they can do from a player acquisition perspective. Why is it so difficult for programs to not look at what Clemson did with Dabo? Look what Mac Rhodes is doing here in Waco and just be patient with these guys and let them establish something. You know, that's that's the funny thing, right? I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, right, especially for some of the people who who really do run programs in a lot of ways, it's about ego, right? I mean, if, you, if you're a Texas booster, if you're somebody who gives a lot of money to the program, the reason that you do that is because you want to have access. You want to be in the room. You want the prestige of being a big deal when you walk into the University of Texas. And I think that one thing, I mean, just to, to make the comparison to Baylor, I think one thing that stands apart is, you know, having somebody who is a strong leader like Macro, and having somebody who can, can kind of say, look, you can give us their money, but that doesn't mean we're going to sell the program to you. You know, you're not just going to be able to come in and say whatever you want, do whatever you want. Uh, you know, and I think that I think that one thing that gets underrated about Nick Saban is that, you know, Alabama used to be one of those programs, too, where there's a lot of voices in the room, and they got unified behind a specific guy. And Nick Saban kind of tells them, it's not going to be like that. You can't tell me what to do. Or you're not going to get unlimited access to me. And I think that it sometimes takes that right coach. And I think Mac Brown, for example, was that coach at Texas where you're able to come in and, uh, and keep everybody happy, but also be like, you know, leave me alone to some extent because I'm trying to coach football too. You know, and I think that it sometimes takes that. So different programs have just different dynamics from that perspective. I mean, University of Texas is the University of Texas, and, and there's a reason for that. So I think that, you know, more than anything else, it's going to take somebody who can pull things together uh, and, and tell kind of the people outside of the room that they need to stay outside of the room as well. Final thought for you, and, and I'm going to go back to the playoff. Uh, and again, the CFP had said that uh, there will be no change until 2025, the end of the TV contract. Any way that changes? Do the, is there any way to go back and revisit this and, and get this figured out before the end of the TV contract in 2025? I don't think so. You know, one thing that I heard when, when I was talking to some of the Jayhan, that is not the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand. I, I do think that there's going to be continual conversation on this. I do think 
that we're going to have a system in mind well before that 2026 season. But again, I think that the real push from the ACC and the Big Ten is to try to keep that TV contract away from ESPN because I think that they see that the way that sort of uh, the SEC's relationship with ESPN has really dominated the sport in a lot of ways. I think they want NBC and Fox and CBS and Amazon and Google and whatever else to, to bid on this and, and kind of take away some of that sensor of power from ESPN. I mean, the first the first 12 years of this college football playoff have been an ESPN production, and I don't think that that's been a net positive for these other conferences. And so I, I think that's going to be a big part of the negotiations. I think that's a big part of why it's being pushed past 2025. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, I, I think that I think they're going to expand. I mean, everybody's unanimous that they want to expand. I think it's probably going to be 12 teams, but there's just so many steps uh, on the way to get there that I don't think it's going to happen before 2024. Hey, what are you working on for CBSSports.com right now? You know, it's, it's kind of a quiet season for us right now. We have some uh, some recruiting commit stories coming up, but uh, otherwise, you know, just being responsive to the news and, uh, and getting ready for the start of training camp as well. Jayhan, as always, it is a pleasure, man. We do appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to you soon. Shehan Jayaraja.